And I'm Tabitha. And you are listening to Educators Who Dare to Lead. Stay tuned. Hey, Tabitha. So good to see you again. We are in Zoom, so I actually get to see Tabitha. (laughs) So lately, you and I keep using this word, and I have enjoyed its use and kind of felt the impact that it is having for me right now. But as educators, I think it is a really interesting word. And it wasn't until I was rereading the section for our episode that I was like, well, of course, we got this from Brene. Where else? (laughs) Unlearning. We keep talking about unlearning things as we pivoted and adjusted to new situations. So as as an educator, why, uh, what do you think about this word, unlearning? And what does it mean to you? Unlearning. Oh man, it it's great. I think that <laughs> it fits. It's great. Okay, it's moving great. on. Everything's great. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, I think it's really helpful, especially through the lens of a teacher, because when you've got a skill or a standard that you are trying to get across to your students, you have to figure out what misconceptions that they have about it and help them through that process of unlearning Mm -hmm. things that are wrong about it before you can move forward in mastery of that skill. So there's so much that applies directly to just education and to the classroom, but in real life as well, you're right. We have talked a lot about that skill recently and what kind of sticks with me about it is that in order to unlearn a behavior or a habit, what you're really doing is is stopping and thinking about what am I doing Mm -hmm. and why am I doing it? Like, where did that come from? Like you're digging in deep and you're finding the root of it. Where did this come from? I think it's very helpful in just self-reflection really Mm. or anything in your personal life, but also as a teacher too, what an important skill to impart on your students. What do you think about it? Yeah, I'm imagining myself standing in front of all of my students and saying, we're going to unlearn something. Yes. (laughs) The conversations that would result from that, like, what is this unlearning? As you were talking, I had a completely different answer until you started talking. Remember a couple of chapters ago where people talked about certain behaviors and they just believed that you were either, but you were either courageous or not. You were either Mm -hmm. confident or not. And it was a personality trait rather than a Mm -hmm. skill. And when they started drilling down, somebody said, I can actually think of the lessons where I was taught that vulnerability was weakness, where I was taught that I should not show my emotions. And that really connected with me with the unlearning. So good. It was right before we hit record, I told Tabitha, I was like, you know, every time I read this chapter, I think I know what it means to me Mm -hmm. until we go into our episode. And then I'm like, oh, But actually, I think it means this to me now because I didn't make that connection the way that you did. So I really love talking to you about these things. And we hope that you enjoy 
listening to us talk about these things. Hopefully that's yes, why you're hopefully. here. <laughs> yeah. And that, that we can be part of your unlearning community and you can join us on our Facebook page at educators who dare to lead there as well. And maybe find some new people to connect with, but I kind of like that as, as the title for a group, like the unlearning community. The unlearning community. It's like yes. the opposite of, it's like the unpd, the unplc. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Somebody well, that really doesn't like PLCs is like, yes. yes. <laughs> PLCs have value if they're done right, but we, we understand. Go ahead. I was just going to say hello out there and thank you for joining us on Educators Who Lead. I am Tabitha. I'm sorry, what was our title again? Educators Who Dare to Lead. I didn't hear the dare too. I just heard educators who lead. (laughs) I think I said all those words. I guess we'll find out when we go back and listen to this recording. (laughs) Educators who dare to lead. Okay. And I'm Elizabeth. There we go. Yeah. Today we're diving into part one, section five of Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. And this section is titled Curiosity and grounded confidence. So whether or not you've read this section yet, we hope that our conversation just inspires you to reflect more on how these behaviors relate to careers in education. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are at, if you're reading in Kindle, 58% or page 165, if you're following along in the hardback book. And this section is all about learning and unlearning. It's about practicing and failing. It's about building curiosity and confidence. And Brene tells us that in order to have grounded confidence, which is basically the ability to rumble with vulnerability, which she's been talking about this whole time, we Mm -hmm. have to develop fundamental skills through disciplined practice. And that doesn't sound like fun. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it, I, it does. I was looking forward to this chapter this whole time. So can you say that again? So in order to yes. have grounded confidence. In order to have grounded confidence, you have to develop fundamental skills through disciplined practice. So if your response was like Elizabeth, like, <laughs> that, that doesn't sound fun. Disciplined I, practice, what? Right. I really like the analogies that she uses in here because Mm -hmm. she brings it back to um, practicing in sports Mm -hmm. and talking about how important it is to have those skills so firmly ingrained. She talks about just practicing over and over so that you've got them in your muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And the whole reason to do that is so that when you're under pressure, you don't have to stop and think. Those those things just show up for you because your body and your mind um, are so used to doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to really be able to have the skills to rumble with vulnerability, then you've got to put the practice in because otherwise in the moment of difficult conversations, then if you don't have those to fall back on, if you haven't practiced them, then you're probably going to end up you know, flailing around and, and like, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? So that's one whole part of it. But she mm. also talks a lot in this section about curiosity, mm-hmm. which is 
something that I, I really love. And I know that you love it too, Liz, because <laughs> it's something that I hear you say, even before we ever talked about this book together, I heard you say so often about staying curious. So I know that you're um, anxious to talk about it. But I think being curious is really just being okay with admitting you don't know what you don't know and committing to digging in deeper in order to find out. So even though this was a shorter section than the ones we've covered so far, it was no less impactful. It was um, small, but it packed a powerful punch. Yeah, for sure. What was the most impactful quote from the section for you, Tabitha? Okay. I have to. So here's the quote. Easy learning doesn't build strong skills. That's so good. Why it is so good. Oh, man. Well, I tell you, this section, I think more than any other part of the book so far, has reminded me so much of being in the classroom. Yeah. And it, it, there are so many applications here that directly relate to being a teacher. And this one absolutely does. So she talks about how, okay, easy learning doesn't build strong skills. It doesn't mean miserable learning. <laughs> it doesn't mean that learning has to be horrible right. or unenjoyable. Right. Um, but it, you've got to have some kind of a struggle yeah. or you're not going to get that learning that you need. She refers to it as desirable difficulty, which kind of reminds Ooh. me of the uh, educational term, that zone of proximal development where you're right in that sweet spot of yeah. it's, it's attainable. You can learn it, but you've got to put the work in. It's not mm -hmm. too easy and it's not too hard. Yeah. And so that's kind of what this reminds me of. I just, I love the connection that this has to the classroom grit, praising the process over the product, allowing mistakes. Yep. We keep coming back to growth mindset, I think, with a lot of the things yeah. that Brene talks about in her book. Mm -hmm. um, and she also says that having the grounded confidence to rely on skills we've developed over time allows us to focus on higher order objectives, challenges, and goals. And oh my goodness, here yeah. I immediately went to leveled learning targets, depth of knowledge. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. They, you've got to make sure that your kids have their, um, their background knowledge in order to climb that ladder and, and really pull in those higher order thinking skills. Yeah. And it, it was just cool to me to see that the things that we do as teachers in the classroom and the way that we teach and the way that our students learn has way more applications than just a mm -hmm. math standard that you need yep. to master because you're taking a standardized test on it. Like these, are, it applies to life lessons and mm -hmm. skills as well. So much to say about that. But it, one of the things that I remember talking with a lot of teachers about, especially with those teachers in the younger grade levels, seeing them struggle with learning 
and wanting to jump in and help them or rescue them or save them. And we see this a lot when we talk with parents about Mm -hmm. how to support their children in learning, especially when you're teaching in an online environment because the parent is so much 50-50 partner with the teacher. They're doing just as much at home with the child as the teacher is virtually. And it's so hard sometimes to be the grown-up and have the knowledge and skills and to be able just to let go and let that child struggle through it mm-hmm. and not jump in and rescue them or build that armor around them so that they don't fail. They've got to struggle through that process for yeah. themselves. Totally. I saw that in the older grades. I still feel like it was armor. And the armor, I think, comes from this, oh my gosh, they're not getting it. <laughs> what mm. do I do? But the way that it would often show up in the older grades is that retake up of control where the student would, like, I don't know that they were trying to protect them. I think they were like trying to keep them from learning something incorrectly and having that moment of, yeah, going in and reteaching maybe before they were ready to be retaught where the actual process of literally realizing you have made a mistake, then figuring and accepting you must do something about it, then figuring out something that you can try, even if you don't know 100% that it's going to work, but you have enough confidence in your thinking abilities as a student to try something kind of in the back of your head, managing your own anxiety over how much time it's taking, for how your teacher will respond if it's wrong, maybe for how your teacher will respond to how much time it's taking. And all of that is going through a lot of our students' heads. And then if the teacher comes in, they see them make a mistake and they say, no, wait, remember I told you X. I have been the parent and I've had to stop myself too, like literally taking the paper from the child. (laughs) And then you're writing it because I can't think of it without (laughs) the pencil in my hand. And yet somehow it didn't click in my brain. Well, if I can't do it, how is my kiddo supposed to do it? To where I, I have had to be very disciplined. Okay. I'm with you, Renee. This is where she's talking about the discipline because it is the process of going through something and getting through to the other side that builds that grounded confidence that even though this new online thing seems scary or sixth grade, all the teachers are telling me how hard it is because the new teachers aren't going to help me with X, Y, and Z. I'm afraid I'm not going to make it but I have no choice because my mom's not going to, my parents are going to pull me out of school. But every year the kiddos make it through. Sometimes we have to go back and repeat a year, but for the most part, we make it through most years and that builds grounded confidence. And I think that can apply through so many things. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's again, so interesting because when I looked at this, it felt so personal to me. Hmm. And now I'm hearing you and I'm like, she's literally using the the terms grit. (laughs) Like this is so educated related. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What stuck out to you? I, I like formulas. I have talked before where the abstract can get a little lost on me. Maybe that is my lack of grounded confidence. So when someone says A plus B plus C 
equals D. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> she has a formula in there and, and I am uh, more, more confident in my language arts too. So I don't know where that comes from, but grounded confidence equals rumbling skills plus curiosity plus practice. I love this formula. I think everything is pretty equitable in it. The thing that sticks out to me is the practice. I was with her on the curiosity. Like you said, that's something that I have been adopting and really putting into practice. And it has been career changing and life changing, especially with my relationships with other people. So if you Um, have struggled with that in your life, curiosity might be a really wonderful place to start exploring, but it's the practice. This practice piece is really starting to open my mind and open doors for me in the way that I'm able to navigate tricky situations, but even more importantly, appreciate the people in my life that present me with tricky situations. Because instead of being annoyed that I have to deal with person A who is putting obstacle B, C, D, E, F in my life, yeah, again, I can't believe we're still doing this, I can be like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to practice leaning into who I am and how I want to show up. And I'm grateful for this practice because I can do this with person A instead of the first time I'm really having to lean into this, maybe it's super public or maybe it's with um, high stakes or something. Exactly. And we can all appreciate those people in our lives. And often I find that it is those tricky situations where people really have the most opportunity to shine. If everything's going well, people can't really tell what you're made of. But when you Uh respond to something that is like, oh man, I don't know how I would have responded to that. All the people that are seeing you do that can tell that you have that grounded confidence. I think it's just a great formula all the way around. Yeah. It just changes your outlook instead of having to be annoyed or frustrated by the difficult people in your life. You can just take it as a learning opportunity. I love Mm -hmm. that. And we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of conversations about that as well. And it's, it really has helped me to think about how I approach those difficult situations or people in life, both, you know, professionally and personally. Yeah. Even really personally, like your own kids, when your own kids are difficult, right? (laughs) Okay. And this is where I was looking at these and she has these great rumbling skills. They are going to have to be somehow mounted on my desk. And as you said that maybe they needed, maybe I need to have a picture on my phone or something so that I see them Mm. every now and then because we can absolutely talk to our kids and say, well, the story I'm telling myself is that you can see me over here working. I have asked you to do Mm -hmm. dishes. I come in here and now I have no clean counter space and I have to make dinner and I've been working all day and it's summer and you're here. And the story I'm telling myself is that you don't care how much work I have to do as long as you're not doing the work. And I have older kids that would 
work much better in that kind of situation. But I often think about grounded confidence as a work issue mm-hmm. and it's a life quality that I want in my life. I want to have grounded confidence in my family too. And I want my kids to be raised in grounded confidence. That's a really good point. What else did you have? Yeah. Well, taking one part out of the equation, the other thing that stood out to me was just the whole concept of curiosity and staying curious. Mm. And what fascinates me is just brain theory and whenever people talk about what's going on within the human brain, mm-hmm. I just, I'm very intrigued by that. So I love that she pulled in a study from a journal, the journal called Neuron, and it says that the brain's chemistry changes when we become curious, helping really? us better learn and retain information. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, like a million neurons just went (laughs) in my brain. So I'm not going to speak. Have you seen that show up in education? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because help me understand. Tell me more. What other rumbling skills? We're not rumbling, but (laughs) tell me more. Okay. So Something I think in my work, both in the classroom and also just my work with teachers when I'm on the outside of their classroom and just supporting them, um, we have talked a lot about how to, you know, hook students into the lesson. How do you engage them? How do you get them interested in what's going on? And something that we do a lot is some kind of activity like I see, I think, I wonder and giving them a little snippet of something, whatever you want it to be, a phrase, a group of words, an illustration, a photo, mm-hmm. a, a video, whatever it is. It can be any subject matter, anything you want. Just put something in front of them and then just say, what do you see? What do you think? What do you wonder? Mm-hmm. And seeing those children down to the littlest ones I've seen mm-hmm. it from in kindergarten classrooms all the way up through the grade levels. Um, when you encourage that sense of curiosity in them, mm-hmm. that's when they start asking questions. They start getting excited about learning. That's mm-hmm. when they make connections with the content and end up actually mastering what you Mm -hmm. wanted to teach them in the first place. And it's just that simple shift of finding a way to spark their curiosity before you jump into Mm -hmm. direct instruction. I think that's where I've seen it show up. I was going to go the relationship side again, which is cracking me up because Tabitha and I, we were instructional coaches and we would get these feedbacks and there would be uh, feedback surveys from our teachers. And there were two really big overarching themes they were looking for. One is, do we know our stuff like pedagogical content knowledge, those kind of things. And the other one is building that relationship of trust the way that we want coaching to be. And my thing that always showed up higher than the other was like all the content knowledge and that pedagogical stuff. And I would like need to really lean into Tabitha's expertise on the more the relationship building things. We both did very well, but I was just kind of out of whack with the other people around me. I would be like the only one 
that I know of where the content would be up, up higher than the relationship. And I, at first I thought this was a strength. And then over time I was like, well, and you know, maybe for some people it was, but in this podcast, you keep showing up with all of the amazing pedagogical connections. And I keep thinking about that teacher, but as you were talking, I was thinking about gradual release also known as I do, you do, we do, which is often how we teach math in particular. And I am pretty sure, and if I'm wrong, please correct me on our Facebook page, kindly, please. But I believe <laughs> that that is definitely something that we're seeing in like work from Joe Baylor and other people that are really changing the way we think about teaching math, where let's not always just do gradual release. Let's give them something to play with and experiment with. But if your entire curriculum is built on gradual release, Tabitha, you just said you could do this hook. And I've done this even with ELA. So I, I worked with kindergarten through second grade and I had more of the reading skills. So you could put a bunch of words on the board. But if I was in the classroom, a bunch of little paper strips, paper words mm -hmm. that they could play around with and just ask them. This also, I think, comes from Hooked Ed. I think her name is Pam Hook, dealing a lot with solo taxonomy, which is mm -hmm. similar to Bloom's or Depth of Knowledge. Um, but she would say, like, just ask them to start grouping things together mm -hmm. And they can explain to you how these things are connected. So maybe you give them AR, IR, and OR verbs and or words. And the big idea is not necessarily that they totally get it right all the, all the time. You're not like checking for mastery on something like this. What you're checking for is, are they immersed in how the words or the math skills function and can they pull up patterns and if they can do that they can sharpen their thinking process which can build some of that grounded confidence and grip because if you this is what I, I think any teacher that's that I've coached is probably going to start rolling their eyes as I start talking <laughs> about this next point maybe not but this is the thing that I would say when people would start asking about how do we do reviews when we have testing season coming up, particularly for the grades that are testing. And I would say you want to start thinking in January, if that child is sitting in the chair taking this test and I am not there, what are the things they need to be doing in their head to be able to figure out what they're going to do to solve all these problems? And then we really started thinking about for ELA, okay, I need them to be able to go back and read the text. Stop acting like you can memorize a four page long passage the first time through yeah. and then just answer the questions and be done with it. That's not how this works. And so we really like said, well, how can we make that explicit to where they have to do that? And then the same thing for math, I think it's this ability of noticing and connecting patterns for all of these. So the curiosity piece is incredible on the pedagogical side, what about the relationship side? Because I know that's your strong suit and it's cracking me up that we're, <laughs> we're bringing in these different pieces. Oh, curiosity from the relationship side. Yeah. I'm going back to the quote and looking at 
okay, the brain's chemistry changes when we become curious, helping us better learn and retain information. So what if that information that we're retaining <gasps> is not like facts and information or, you know, academic skills, but what if it's information about people? Yes. About who they are, about what they're going through or what they're dealing with or what their experience could be or what their worldview is or even what their racial history is and all the things that they've dealt with um, just according to who they are as an individual. Mm -hmm. Things that you might be missing because mm -hmm. you don't have that same mm -hmm. history or maybe you do, but your experience is different. So treating their information I don't want to oversimplify it and say as, as informational text, but almost like treating it as just as important. Yeah. Like not just what you want to get across or your goal in that conversation, but the fact that what they are saying and you really want to understand what they're saying and what's happening just as importantly as you want to be able to have whatever outcome you're hoping for. Yeah. Okay. And so I, this reminds me of a conversation that I had with my own daughter recently mm -hmm. where she was describing an experience that she had with another child and saying, well, she was just being mean or she was doing this or mm -hmm. she was doing that. And I was able to use that as a springboard to talk to her about, oh, wow, it sounds like she was dealing with something really difficult. What do you think, <laughs> you know, what do you think was going on inside of her that made her act that way? And just remembering that when we don't like or appreciate uh -huh. the way that people are coming across or the way that they're mm -hmm. interacting with us, it's easy to just get annoyed and stop with that and just say, oh, well, there's just no excuse. Mm -hmm. But if we stay curious, like Brene is telling us to, then we're probably going to find out a whole lot more or at least just be open. Even if we mm -hmm. don't ever find everything out about what that person is going through or what they're dealing with. Just the fact that we can, oh, what's a word? Ah, I'm blanking out on a word. Imagine. <laughs> we could we could imagine a possibility. <laughs> we could imagine different things that they could possibly be going through and therefore, you know, grow in empathy too. For me, I think it really helped ground my confidence when I started showing up with these rumbling skill prompts that she had, and I hadn't read the book yet. So the only one I really knew was from a manager that, that we both had who modeled these things all the time. And I don't know that this book had been written out, I think written yet. So it, I don't know where she got them from. So these are not all necessarily new ideas. It's that mm -hmm. she's putting them together in a really new and wonderful way that we're exploring. I'm curious about is something that I heard from this manager. Tell me more. I'm wondering, help me understand. I remember her using all of those phrases. Another one that I have used recently was that's not my experience. Mm. And that was tremendous for me because I think with curiosity, part of the reason why maybe we, we can be resistant to it is that we don't know what's going to happen. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but sometimes the risk feels too high. So if you are having one of these conversations and someone 
is telling you something and you really that is not what happened it's not it's not important for you to convince them that you're right that's not the goal it's to say to get somewhere wherever you're trying to get with this conversation where which even is one of the ones near the end where she says what problem are we trying to solve mm-hmm. um, which I think is really great too but for for me having some tools like this was immensely helpful. So the first thing I was just such a novice at it. I remember being in conversations with teachers and being like, okay, I'm going to be a better listener. I'm going to be great at that. (laughs) And being like, oh, so tell me more because I didn't know what I was like, I need to listen. And as they kept talking or I would pause because I would start taking notes, my original assessment of whatever I was going to offer was almost always wrong. Because I was trying to go out of giving advice and going into asking probing questions so that they could get there on on their own, which is something we had that I'd found in the book um, Results Coaching by Kathy Key. We had been reading that and they were saying advice is like the red zone. Don't go into advice mode. And I had been like in an advice mode for six months. I'm like, how am I going to get myself out of advice mode? Mm-hmm. And these rumbling skills, these curiosity prompts, especially I'm curious about, tell me more, I'm wondering, help me understand, those things can help you have more confidence because if you already know that you have something to say, you're a whole lot less worried about this thought that you had in your head and now you've got to say it. And there's a really great TED Talk by Celeste Headley 10 ways to have a better conversation. And that's what she says. She says, whatever you've got in your brain, let it go. If you want to have a better conversation, you've got to listen to the other person. And it's still something that I struggle with, but I like the idea that if you want to have more confidence, you can be curious and listen to what the other person is saying. I could tell a story about when I was first getting to know you. You want me to tell it? it, it was, I don't it, know. I'm curious about no, what it's it is, good. but I don't know the outcome. It's really good. Okay, okay so okay. I I just see you as so skillful at incorporating all of these rumble starters. That's what she refers to them as. Because yeah. I, I see you and hear you using them just on a regular basis in, in everyday conversation. And when we first started getting to know each other and started – talking more often than I would notice that you would, when I would start out telling you something and then you would just say, tell me more. (laughs) And at first I was like, I was like, wait a second. What, what? Was it awkward (laughs) to have somebody say, tell me more? Or did it sound like, at first I felt a little caught off guard. Like, what? What do you mean? Tell you more? I just told you what I needed to tell you. But Did you not think I was done. Yes, <laughs> but was for. it was so interesting because when you said "tell me more," and and I was like, "Well, I thought I was done," and then I was like, oh, "Maybe I wasn't done. Maybe I do have more to say." And then I would like start reflecting more inwardly and deep deeper and tell you. And as I started telling you more, then like I would come 
to the other side of it and be able to like solve my own problem. And all you did was sit there and listen and say, tell me more. That's it. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. you said it so much more concisely. That's it right there. Is that when you, it's not your problem to solve. Stop trying to solve <laughs> problems. You just, you just stay curious and you will become more confident because you're like, wow, I did great in that meeting. I helped them come to a resolution. And all you did was say, help me understand. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But imagine, imagine a student or a parent or even another teacher, or if you're an admin, a, a teacher or an adult student that's coming to your office hours, I'm just going to keep listing people for no reason here. They come to you and nobody really listens and they're just, pow, pow, they're just throwing everything at you. And then you're, you're like, well, tell me more. Like, especially if they were like, I hated this assignment and I should have gotten it. Well, tell me more about that. And they're, they're not going to think that you've just won by the element of surprise. So mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, not one, because that's not the point sure. is the point that I get so nervous during these conversations. I can feel my hands shaking. I can, I've got my notes and then I'm, I'm like, start going off script and I'm like, no, go back to the script, go back to the script. <laughs> so the tell me more of these little phrases give me some space to calm myself. Yeah. And I think that is the big reason why these are rumbling tools, why they give us more confidence to have these hard conversations. And I think by having these hard conversations, when they are really necessary to have, we do have more confidence because then the next time we have a situation coming up like that, we're like, well, I was able to handle it with, you know, the last situation. I will get through this too. And all of these things are really starting to come together. The only way out is through definitely has a connection here. Mm -hmm. The other connection to education that I think is really interesting and in some ways is a little controversial in the education world is the idea of grit. It was mm -hmm. very interesting to me that she chose this word. I did a search because I'm in the Kindle version and it's only twice and it's in this chapter. What is your impression of grit? I'm pretty, I'm pretty curious and it's role in education. Okay. Well, <laughs> the image that I get, I have a couple of images that pop up when I hear the word grit. One is just like gritting your teeth. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through it. I heard it. I was like, what? You want our kids to be like, like grit is not a, it's like, you know, yeah. and it, the stuff that gets in under your nails. Like, why do we want to be gritty? What is happening here? And then I started learning more about it and I was like, okay, so tell me more about grit. So then the other one doesn't really apply at all because it's, do you remember that movie called True Grit? I remember a movie called True Grit. It's a movie called True Grit. And now I don't know anything else about it except the title, but the title of that movie pops in my head whenever I see the word grit. So that I'm going to remove that from our conversation because it doesn't apply. Okay. Back <laughs> to what I think of grit. So um, I think to me, grit is like the stick with itness. Yeah. Is like, I'm, I'm not gonna give up when the going gets tough, the tough get going, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and, and it fits in with, so she puts <laughs> in a quote from Albert Einstein, which is really cool. Yeah. He says, 
if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about solutions. So just like that idea of staying with your problem mm-hmm. and wrestling with it and just mm-hmm. being there with it in the moment and not giving it, mm-hmm. not giving it up or pushing mm-hmm. through it too quickly mm-hmm. um, just to get to an easy answer, but really embracing the struggle, I guess. Well, uh, realizing that it's a purposeful struggle. And yeah. It goes, yeah. yeah. Big picture too. So it's graduating high school, mm-hmm. graduating college, graduating your classes. And I like that quote from Einstein. We have a a mutual friend that has brought this quote up several times before. So it's, it's, I love it that it showed up in this book too. I think that sometimes you hear about grit being amazing cure-all because there have been some studies that showed that despite other issues that students that were demonstrating grit were still able to succeed despite other um, obstacles that they've had. And now it's kind of come in like, yeah, but you can't ignore the obstacles and just say, Mm -hmm. let's just put all of our funding and grit education. Mm -hmm. But it does show up in academic safety. It does show up in honoring the process that students are going through. All of these things are connected. And that is what I really enjoy about going through this book with you and with everyone listening is that everything keeps connecting back. Nothing is really feeling out of place or something that's just thrown out of left field. And I think what you said with Einstein's quote makes perfect sense for our author, Brene, because this is like not just something where she was like, you know what? I want to write a book on vulnerability. She did thousands upon thousands of hours of research Research. and then data collecting data collecting and meta-analysis and then like did a TED talk and then she had to do all of the personal work of figuring out like am I gonna show up and do this because it was a sacrifice for her family for her personal um life too and whenever we put ourselves out there it has impacts other than just the thing that we're doing. So I just want to explore that idea of grit because it is valuable, but it's not something we can write off. And I don't think any of these are. And I think that's why she has that equation where you want grounded confidence, that practice, it's not, you can't just say, I don't want to do that and skip it. It's got to be in there. Mm -hmm. So looping back to prior learning. This is something that we put in in part because of what was coming in this chapter, this idea of practice. And I've read this book and every time I think I'm going to do better and life happens and yet I still make the same mistakes. So it was important to us to keep going back and referencing back to things that we wanted to put in our life. So Tabitha, Yours was mindfulness and doing what you need to do to meet your needs. So how is that going? I think it's a work in progress. And basically what you said about the things that we're trying to grow in sometimes feels like those are the 
things that we just continue making the same mistakes over and over again. So this is definitely something that I'm very aware of as a need for growth. But I think every day I can take those little steps and have small victories in Mm. just being really, it's about being self-aware and and thinking through, okay, what are my needs and what are the steps I need to take to meet my needs? So working on it, I feel okay about it. Have you had any victories or small self-cheer? I have a super tiny one that happened just like an hour ago when, right, but we met we were going to record and we met and we chatted a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I need about 20 minutes. And Mm. I asked for it. And you very graciously said, (laughs) yes, absolutely. You may have 20 minutes. And um, so that was very small, but Hey, I noticed what I needed for myself and I advocated for it. So there you go. Yay! I love it. Excellent win. So I wanted to combine using more empathy with finding real comfort. And it's so typical of me to try and just take two things and get them knocked out together instead of letting each (laughs) one take the course that it needs. You know, I'm doing okay. I think that it is hard every day. And that's what really struck to me when I was trying to prepare for this chapter is you can't just say, I'm going to be empathetic and do it. And you can't even with real comfort. I think that is, it is something that we get so hard on ourselves for numbing. Like I know I shouldn't have spent as much time on my phone, but I have this situation. And then the next day I'm laying in bed and I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat so well tomorrow. I'm going to exercise and I'm going to do this and it's a new day. I don't know why I think those thoughts at night are going to help me, but I have all the hope in the world (laughs) in the morning. And then I have all of these simultaneous demands for my time and I'm exhausted and I numb out and I'm so hard on myself for this. And I think we all are. Even that, I think, goes back to the grounded confidence in even not numbing as much or to unlearn something or change a habit is that you're going to have to try and understand in yourself. So like what Tabitha was saying with being more self-aware, it takes practice. It's okay. You're not going to get it the first time, but the only way to get through it is to get through it. And the thing I can think about recently is I've tried to get rid of as much sugar as possible. I realize that is a problem for me with a big capital P. It's so fun to go through your whole life thinking like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't indulge in things. I don't smoke and I don't do this. And I don't, you know, all these things. And then you're like, yes, but I'm addicted to sugar and it's probably Mm -hmm. just as bad. It takes about a good week to really be okay with not having the sugar and like get through it. And it's only a week. Like it's a week of your life. That's it. It's going to be a really hard week. But once you get through that week, then if you ate any of those things before, they would just taste sickly sweet. Mm -hmm. And, but I do know that sometimes I'll go back and I'll have, you know, birthday cake and then it's like, I've broken the sugar well. And (laughs) and then it takes, you know, it takes a couple of days to get back to where I was. And it's so easy to slide, to slide back. But here's the thing is that it's every day. 
and it's, I've got to practice it. And if I slip up, it's okay because I still have those seven and seven days I can get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. It's, that is going okay for me. And I'm realizing also, this is something new for me through our podcast that working is also a numbing that I do. But that, of course, like everybody knows that workaholic, it's a total term, but I never considered that as a bad thing because I've always persevered and pushed through. I have a lot of grit, uh-huh. but so much grit that I have ignored my own needs and then I numb and that's not great. So it's not just that I'm having better habits. It's that I'm becoming more okay with not having more better better habits, more, more, better habits, <laughs> more, more, better, better habits. Yeah. That I'm not making enough progress to my standards of excellence that I like to hold up in all things that it is in fact, sometimes the standards of excellence that can be part of the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. That I think is going to be the biggest thing, even more so than a specific progress point that I can bring forward. Yeah. <sighs> feel like I just went through a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about your hope for growth from this section for next time around? I want to put the rumbling tools front and center somewhere, like I said earlier in the episode. So I am going to do that. I created a social media post so I can take a picture of that and have it on my phone. And hopefully when I, if I am numbing out on my phone or I am working because sometimes that's how I sneak work in, I'm Mm -hmm. really sounding like a midnight snacker here, but I'll do like social media stuff because that's part of my work now. And, um, I do some stuff with, with an organization. I volunteer as a role for them. I do our stuff. I have work stuff. And so I'll be doing social media stuff that maybe I will see that and stop. And if there's a conversation that I'm avoiding and I'm using my phone or work to avoid that conversation, that I will see those rumble tools and step into my courage and have that conversation, even if it's something simple like, you know, a household thing. Those are, those are harder for me than the work conversations yeah. is to have like, you know, why are the dishes still dirty again? <laughs> Why are you arguing with me about bedtime? We've had this conversation and I'm pretty good at this with one of my kiddos and then sometimes not as good with others. So uh, that is my hope. What about you? Yeah, mine is very similar. And really, I've taken my inspiration from you on this because <laughs> before, like I said, before I even read this book or we had even talked about it, these rumble starters that Brene has in here are things that I have heard you say in oh. everyday conversation, like with me and also like in work meetings, like these are, it does seem like that they come natural to you and that they are at the forefront of your mind. So um, hmm. hopefully that can encourage you if you felt like you weren't growing and that it is something that I picked up on just from my experience with you. Anyway, so I'm excited to make them a bigger part of my life as well. And if I am 
consistently practicing with them in situations that are lower stakes, then I'm hoping once I get into a more difficult moment where I need to be vulnerable, then these questions and these skills will automatically flow through my conversation <laughs> if I'm putting in the time to practice them. So I'm super excited because one, I hadn't really heard the whole story that you shared <laughs> earlier about your conversation with me. And I really loved the, the way that you spoke about that, where you were like, at first I was like, well, what? Like, tell me more. I've told you. So as you go through this, I am super excited to hear how you pose those rumble starters so that I can borrow from you and get better mm -hmm. at them and not make people feel like, well, I just told you. Well, no, it was, and it wasn't on you at all. I hope I didn't. It, it, it was just because it was something newer for me. Like I've never necessarily had people in my life that really pushed me with those type of questions. So it was not a negative thing at all. Totally positive. Okay. I, well, I still want to see how, how you do and what I can learn from you. <laughs> we'll learn from each other. <laughs> that is the whole point. Yes, yes. please. Yes. Well, we would love for you to join in the conversation and tell us what you are learning. Um, we are on Facebook at Educators Who Dare to Lead. We want to hear your comments and your reflections. And if you would like to follow us individually on Instagram, I am virtually Tabitha. And on LinkedIn, I'm Tabitha Securus, S-E-K-U-R-A-S. I'm Elizabeth Walker Ike on Instagram and Elizabeth Ike on LinkedIn. Ike is two letters E-K. So next time we are going to cover part two and you might be thinking how, oh my gosh, how many parts are there? I really <laughs> like the way that she almost did the only way out is through with the parts because part one is you have got to understand all of the complexity of what's going on here before you can even know what to do about it. And part two is called Le living into our values. There is a really important exercise on values and you can find it in there. It is so worth your time. We're going to talk more about it. So it's kind of up to you if you want to listen to us do that first, or if you want to go back to it, but we are going to get in some fresh ideas to fix. I can't believe I wrote that. It's in my notes. And now I think that's <laughs> appalling. We're not going to fix all this shame and armory and perfection in one chapter. What's wrong with me? We are, she is going to give us some real things that we can do and lean into every single day so that when we recognize the shame and the armory and the perfection, we can feel more confident in knowing who we are, how we're going to respond, and what we're going to do when things don't go the way that we want them to. It's a great read and an activity for determining your core values. So just take the time to be prepared for that. Maybe you need to tell, you need to have a conversation like Tabitha had with me, like, and ask for some time for some people so that you can really get into that. Do not skip it because it's pretty life-changing. That one's about an hour listening into the book. It's about 63 to 74% in the Kindle. 
Tabitha, do you have the page? 185. Mm -hmm. So until next time, keep daring. Be brave. Face tough conversations. And live with your whole heart. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Tabitha. Bye. Bye.